Alrighty, hello and welcome back to the, what is probably the final college football episode, uh, at least for the, right. well I guess this isn't really the regular season because it's championship week here, but we're, this is probably the last college football episode for quite some time. I might do a little bit of a transfer portal segment down the line, uh, but if you've been listening long enough, you know how that went uh, the last, well, just last year. It, it was chaos and I didn't really highlight a whole lot of big time names. Um, so mostly the, the big names, I'll talk about them. Like, you know, Kyle McCord entered the transfer portal. Uh, I believe KJ Jefferson did that officially as well. Uh, they're, they're, transfer portal is insane. There, there's a bunch of kids going into it. I can't be asked to keep up with it all. Um, we'll, we'll know whenever they actually commit somewhere, whether to care about it or not. And until then, eh. I can't be asked. I simply can't be asked. So this is probably going to be the last college football episode, a fully dedicated college football episode for a little bit. Still sticking with two episodes a week, though, for, for the foreseeable future until the Super Bowl, basically. We're our two episodes a week right now um, until further notice. We'll just, you know, we'll be focusing more on the NFL. It'll probably be a little bit after this. Like going into next week, I may do, like I said, may do a transfer portal segment on on Mondays or Tuesdays, whenever this damn show comes out. Um, but by and large, it'll basically be Tuesdays will be recap of the week that was uh, for the NFL, and then Thursdays will pretty much be preview day. We'll be very much focused on the NFL here up until. Uh, the the bowl games start kicking off and we get into the uh, the the meat of the of the bowl season schedule. Uh, until then, yeah, this this will be you gotta savor this. This will be the last college football episode uh, for a little bit here. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm be honest with y'all. I am just dead. I am completely dead inside. Uh, just got off of a ten hour uh, shift at my job. Um, and uh, I'm dead inside. I'm, I'm dying slowly. Um, just looking forward to that overtime that I'm inevitably going to get uh, when this whole thing is all said and done. Until then, though, I'm just, you know, slowly dying inside. What else is new? Uh, that being said, though, that that is all to say, though, is what I'm trying to say. But my, my brain is just utter mush right now. I'm, I'm sure whenever I get up, my body is going to be screaming at me. Hell, I might pop both Achilles. We'll have to see what happens uh, whenever I get up out of this chair, but for now, all of that is to say, I'm going to try and keep this one uh, short and sweet, not a whole lot of games to get to, just a little bit of controversy when it comes to the final playoff uh, bracket, if you will, and um, yeah, well, without any further ado, let's get straight into this thing. We'll start with the games, and then we'll go on to the playoff bracket. Uh, so yeah, we'll just go chronologically here. No, no jump transition. I will uh, take a quick like giant gulp of this caffeine uh, so I can get through this, uh, but then we'll get straight into it afterwards, all right? That was like three or four gulps, so, you know, I'm a liar. <laughs> Hope you like that. That's, that's just some disgusting gas uh, coming from my mouth hole there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think I'm ready to go get into this thing, so we'll just go chronologically here. Starting off on Friday... Oregon versus Washington. I think everyone kind of had a, a idea of how this was going to go. Vegas certainly had a, a, an idea of how this was going to go. Oregon was minus nine and a half a favorite coming into this game. And uh, Washington 
presumed for dead. I personally thought Oregon would win this game. I, I told friends at work as much that Oregon would win this game. And you know what? Vegas, me, many of the experts in college football, we were all wrong because Washington was just that team on Friday night. Honestly, Oregon scored a touchdown late to, to make it closer. But I mean, basically it was a 14-0 run in the fourth quarter that, you know, Oregon made it interesting late. Outside of that, I mean, this was this was a really big game for, for Washington, obviously. I mean, they, they won the game. Ultimately, we, we knew at this point they punched their ticket to the college football playoff, but they get to win 34-31. Um, Dylan Johnson... Gotta love what he's doing with Washington, man. I mean, they he was the bell cow for this team. 28 carries, 152 yards, two touchdowns on the ground in this game. And, um, hey, big changeup from what he had over there at, uh, at Mississippi State because they only, they only threw to him once. Um, or only He only caught the ball once for like seven yards. So, uh, big time, big time game for, for Dylan Johnson. I mean, Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunze were fantastic. As per usual, Jalen Polk was back in the lineup as well, being damn good. Michael Penix, um, he's not going to get any serious Heisman consideration from anyone worth respecting, and certainly not people who uh, who should have a job, uh, uh, not not a job, a vote for the Heisman. Uh, but he did a hell of a job in this one. I mean, over 300 yards. Over eight yards per attempt, a touchdown, an interception versus a really, really solid Oregon defense. I think that's probably the best defense they faced all year, quite frankly. All due respect to Utah, but uh, Oregon's just on a, on a different level in that way. And, uh, yeah, I mean, credit where it's due. They absolutely earned this thing. And, by the way, Dylan Johnson passing touchdown as well. How about that? I must have missed that somewhere along the way. Uh, that didn't, didn't readily come up in my memory, but... Man, as a Mississippi State fan, you have got to be. If you are, if you're salty about Dylan Johnson leaving at this point, take a, a long look in the mirror because even if we had Dylan Johnson on the team, we still wouldn't be going to a bowl, folks. We we would still be a shit team. I am just happy to see that Dylan Johnson went to a situation where. Um, unfortunately, it, it took a, a, a season-ending injury for the guy above him in the depth chart uh, to get this opportunity, but he is a legit bell cow on a possible national championship contender, the two-seed in the playoff bracket when it was all said and done. I hope I'm not spoiling anything for anyone. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to see Dylan Johnson succeeding, and um, I'm just glad after he left uh, Mississippi State, he not only landed on his feet, he landed on his feet with a legitimate contender. So yeah, nothing, nothing but... Uh, happy wishes and, and good tidings to to Dylan Johnson. Hope for nothing but success from here on out, and uh, hopefully this translates into some good draft stock. I think he definitely improved his draft stock by going to Washington uh, this year. Still not sure how high he'll be drafted, especially in, in today's running back market, but uh, good to see Dylan Johnson uh, out there and making a huge impact for somebody. Uh, on the Oregon side of things, though, this seems like a movie we've seen before. They're always kind of in it till the very end of the season, then they just kind of blah, 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 fumble it down the stretch. Uh, this time, we thought they had it all the way up until the very last moment until Washington just snatched their hearts straight out of their chests. Um, Bo Nix, not a terrible game overall. I mean, three touchdowns, uh, had 11.5 yards per carry on the ground. Uh, but ultimately, just not enough to win the game, and and that's uh, I don't know if if it should be held against him in the, in the Heisman voting, but 
ultimately, if he would have won this game with that performance, I think he may have, have won the Heisman. Since he did not win this game, I think Jaden Daniels has got this thing in the bag. I think if it's if Jaden Daniels isn't minus money to win the Heisman right now, uh, he absolutely should be, and that's a that's a, a damn surefire bet. Uh, if you get plus money on Jaden Daniels right now, you might as well go ahead and take that. Unless uh, the the old idiots uh, outnumber the smart people, Michael Penix gets it. But I think Bo Nix probably fell out of the race, unfortunately, and truly through through no fault of his own. I mean, had a hell of a performance still in this game uh, versus a, a solid rival opponent, but just not quite enough. The Ducks fall by the wayside, and they fall uh, well short of the playoff. Washington, on the other hand, punches their ticket. So outside of that, we have got... I mean, Liberty versus New Mexico State, cool. Liberty was uh, 13-0. Uh, fun fact, out of 133 teams in the FBS, though, they had the dead last uh, strength of schedule. So, cool. G good stuff there. Uh, but, hey, Liberty finishes the, the regular season 13-0. And if, um, you know, if this were the 12-team model, uh, Liberty would be the one of the automatic bids for the 12-team playoff. And, um, yeah, I bet we're all really looking forward to seeing Liberty uh, go in there against, uh, I guess, I don't want to give anything away, but against, like, you know, a Florida State or something if there were the 12-team playoff and uh, get the doors blown off them because that's exactly what would happen. But, uh, yeah, this is, the, this is the model you all chose. So, Good for you. Good good for you guys. Glad you got exactly what you wanted. Uh, should be a fun uh, road to hoe from here. I'm going to hop off my soapbox, though, before I get too passionate about it. We all know where I stand on that whole thing. It's rinky-dink, it's Mickey Mouse, and I hate it. Uh, but we move on from there. Um, on Saturday, obviously, we had a couple big-time games. Uh, first and foremost, not the first chronologically, but the first on, on the ranking sheet, and the most important game, the best game of the day on Saturday, Georgia versus Alabama. Um, on, on the very first possession for Georgia, I'm fairly certain, they went right down the field and scored a touchdown. After that, they went absolutely quiet up until the very like last minute of the game, pretty much. Alabama dominated this one. They came out there. After the first quarter, it looked a little bit shaky. They got two quick touchdowns in the second quarter, and it was pretty much. I wasn't over from there, but it was it was pretty well settled from there. Georgia needed like a late touchdown where they just went straight down the field late in the game to kind of make this thing close. But Jalen Milrow put this thing away with his legs. I had a long run at the end in order to to seal this thing, um, and that's kind of kind of the story of the season. I, he you know. Did most of his work with his legs. Didn't look pretty numbers-wise. I mean, ultimately, uh, only 29 yards rushing, 2.1 yards per attempt. Obviously, that, that factors in sacks as well, but you, you get it. Um, but passing, I mean, 8.3 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, zero turnovers for that matter, which is simply not what Jalen Milrow did throughout the course of this season. And on the, then on the other side, you had Carson Beck uh, going for 243. Uh, didn't didn't make the the crucial mistake. Just had the had the one loss fumble, which I guess you can, you could consider a crucial mistake for sure. Um, but didn't didn't turn the ball over. Didn't throw a, a touchdown though. At the, at the same well, didn't didn't throw an interception. Sorry again, my brain is mush from from working so much. But I digress. Uh, didn't throw a touchdown. Didn't throw an interception. Was just kind of there. Uh, this is you know one of those. I mean. Two, two straight weeks in a row where Carson Carson Beck had a bad game, 
and uh, this time it, it cost him a trip to the playoff, unfortunately. And that's that's how razor thin the margins were in this year. Is if they didn't win this game, uh, they weren't going to the playoff. I I thought a couple weeks ago that if if Georgia, uh, well Georgia might be in no matter what. But that was before we got the, the results we did uh, throughout the last two weeks. And it got down to the end, and there is legitimately like, you know, six or seven teams that were kind of deserving um, and only four spots. So there, there are going to be some teams that were disappointed. Obviously, one is more disappointed uh, than all of the other ones for sure. Again, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But Alabama getting the win in this one, and it kind of planted the seeds uh, that we would see come to fruition on Sunday of, okay, they just got, Alabama just got the best win in the country. They are 3-1 and one versus the, the current top 25 um, in, in the college football playoff rankings. Um, they're playing outside of the Auburn game better than just about anyone else in the country. This is a completely different team than the one that lost to Texas. Uh, this is, you know, between them and Florida State, who doesn't have their, their starting quarterback, this is where you start seeing, like, okay, I think the committee at this point, after Alabama won this game, was like, okay, please make this easy and let Florida State lose in the ACC championship versus Louisville. No one's going to come out and, and outright say that, but I think at this point, they're like, just please make this an easy decision for me. Uh, make it an easy decision where I can just put in Alabama and not have to worry about it. Unfortunately, that is not what happened at all. We'll get to that there in just a minute. Uh, first, though, let's let's hit the other um, conference title games real quick. Um, SMU beat Tulane 26-14. We won money on that. You're welcome, folks. Uh, Texas beat the piss out of Oklahoma State. I mean beat the holy hell out of Oklahoma State. They set the yard, the total yardage record for the Big 12 uh, title game. Uh, Quinn Ewers had like damn near 400 yards and four touchdowns in the first half. It was utter domination from start to finish, and uh, Oklahoma State never stood a chance, quite frankly. Texas came out there. They knew exactly what they needed to do. They needed to win. They needed to win in the most impressive fashion. Uh, not only to get a playoff spot, but to hold off Bama and to keep people front, keep 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 people like me, Jesus Christ, I can't talk right now. Keep people like me uh, from coming out there and saying, "Hey, Alabama is a better team than Texas right now." Um, I don't think that anymore. I think they're a pretty well equal team, and honestly, might be on a collision course there and in the national title game. But this absolutely uh, punched their ticket to the playoff, no question about it. Uh, Texas looked clearly better. Uh, than the competition and the way they won versus Oklahoma State, it was going to be very, very hard uh, to keep them out of the playoff. They ended up getting the three, and I think everyone kind of expected that. Michigan, all they really had to do was win, and they were going to get the number one seed, and they were going to be in the playoff, and that's exactly what they did. Wasn't pretty, still hit the under. Uh, however, they also covered, and I won money off of that. Y'all didn't unless you bet on on your own self because you know I had to I waited a little bit I, you know biding my time I saw that 21 and a half I was like oh let me take that real quick and uh yeah Michigan won 26 to nothing I'm not I think Iowa might have crossed midfield like once or twice in the entire game uh again wasn't pretty was not a fun game to watch by any stretch of the imagination that's just kind of the uh Iowa playing their game to a certain extent but uh by the end of the game 
uh, it, it was clear. It, it was utter domination the entire time for the Michigan defense. And, uh, yeah, Iowa didn't score a point. Still hit the under. They are the under gods this season. Uh, but that that punched Michigan's ticket to the playoff. They were the number one overall seed. Uh, so that brings us to uh, the most consequential game left on the schedule for the conference championship slate. It was Louisville. It was Florida State for the ACC title. I you you already know what I thought. I thought Louisville was going to win. I put money on the fact that I thought Louisville was going to win this game, and that's just not what happened, folks. That Florida State defense is disgusting. I mean, just filthy. <laughs> Excuse me. They they went out there and they utterly dominated Louisville. And Louisville, I mean, Jack Plummer turned turned into a little bit of a pumpkin uh, during this game, and I think he. It was kind of been kind of been buoyed by a a cupcake schedule throughout the entire season. That's not no shade to Louisville there. We all knew, we all acknowledged going into the season that this was probably the easiest schedule in all of the ACC this year that Louisville was playing on. And hey, they they won a lot of those games. They lost to Pitt, but they won a lot of those games. Quite frankly, so you can't you can't fault them. Uh, coming into this game, though, I thought I thought there would be a few more points scored by Louisville, which is why I thought they would end up winning this game. But man, Jared Verse, Fentrell Cypress, that entire defensive unit for Florida State just played out of their minds in this one. They they did nothing short of dominate the Louisville Cardinals in this game. Jack Plummer was bad uh, and somehow better than all of the QBs for Florida State. However, the QBs for Florida State uh, did end up winning the game uh, 16 to six. When I say QBs, it was just one. It was uh, a redshirt freshman, I believe, Brock Glenn. Uh, Tate Rodemaker was out for this one. I think he had a concussion or something like that. So, yeah, Brock Glenn comes in. Uh, he throws for a, a robust 55 yards on 8 of 21 completions. Um, good thing he got a, a Lawrence Toafili in, in the backfield, uh, 118 yards on 10 carries and a touchdown. That was ultimately the difference. Uh, they they – the. Florida State Seminoles scored the only touchdown in this game, and that ended up being the difference, uh, 16 to six. I feel like there's some interesting, yeah, yeah. Get this this defensive stat line for the the Florida State Seminoles. First off, as a team, they got seven sacks and 14 tackles for loss. Also, 10 passes defensed, which is more than double. Uh, they they here's the thing. They had uh about triple the sacks. Um, double the tackles for loss and more than double the passes defensed than what Louisville had. And Louisville had a good defensive game in this one. Don't don't get me wrong. They they played a hell of a game, but that's just how dominant Florida State was. Brendan Braden Fisk, big defensive lineman there in the middle. He got three sacks in this game, four and a half tackles for loss. Jared Verse, the guy I just talked about, he'll be a first round pick this year, no question about it. Um, if there weren't so many uh, quarterbacks at the top. Good chance he is a top 10 pick. We'll see where he ends up going. But he ended up with two sacks, three tackles for loss in this game. Uh, Fabian Lovett got in the action with with a, a sack. Um, I mean, you just had players all over the place. Patrick Payton with a sack and two tackles for loss. You're just getting contributions all over uh, the damn place. Uh, and it was it was just it was a master class of defense from the Florida State Seminoles. And they didn't make it easy for the committee. They get their 13th win. They get the ACC title win. They do not look impressive uh, doing so, at least not offensively. But a win is a win, which created a dilemma for the uh, college football playoff committee. 
Like I said, they were hoping to God that Florida State would lose this game to make the decision easy. But as it was, there were, there were three teams that were clearly in, right? You had uh, Michigan at one. Washington at two. That's clear right there. I mean, they were they were already undefeated. Uh, they don't have any extenuating injury circumstances. They've been impressive all year. Uh, so they were in no matter what, and they were obviously the top two seeds. Then Texas, with how they performed on Saturday, you could not keep them out. They were they looked entirely too dominant. They were way too damn good, and ultimately uh, they got the three seed, which you know honoring that uh, that head to head with Alabama makes a lot of sense, especially when Texas was so impressive uh, on that at Big Twelve championship game. So really, you think about the the one loss teams, Ohio State. Not a snowball's chance in hell. They didn't even play in a conference title game. And at this point, when you're splitting hairs like this, that shit matters. It's not like previous years where you're trying to just like find four teams that are deserving. This year, there were a litany of teams that had a, a, a viable case to get in, and only one could for that fourth spot. So Ohio State, out of it. Georgia, they were the number one team coming in. But ultimately, with if with Florida State winning, with Alabama beating them, and now Alabama having the exact same record as Georgia with that head-to-head win, um, obviously they weren't going to get in over Alabama. And with Florida State right there uh, being a, a conference champion, couldn't really get in over them too. So it was Georgia at number five, and then we got down to the nitty-gritty. The, the debate that captivated all of college football for... I mean, I think it's still captivating all of college football after it was it was fully settled by the committee. Florida State or Alabama. And the fact of the matter is both both teams had a really good argument to make it, man. Alabama obviously playing better. Uh, I'd say a better team right now than what Florida State is. But Florida State, all they did was win all their games, run through the ACC, uh, got a dominant defense. The only thing that's really wrong is that they don't have their starting quarterback. Um, Jesus Christ. How did I forget this guy's name? Jordan Travis. My goodness. I always keep wanting to call him Travis Rudolph. I don't know why. I don't know why I want to call him Travis Rudolph, but no, it's, it's Jordan Travis. So, yeah, without him in there, to me, and this is just to me, obviously, good people disagree on this sort of thing. Uh, to me, I thought it was clear that, okay, you're going to get blowback no matter who you choose. Whether it be if you choose Alabama, obviously the Florida State crowd and all the all the people that say that you know they they won their conference, the regular season games have to matter, all that good stuff. They they would say, okay, why didn't Florida State get in? They they didn't get in over a, a one loss also conference champion. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So yeah, they they have a a, a gripe. And if you didn't put Alabama in. Alabama fans would be up in arms too. Like, okay, we just ran through the best conference in the nation. We we have the best win in the entire country against Georgia. Um, we we basically, I mean, went three and one against the current top twenty-five right now. Um, the hottest team in the country, out, out excluding the Auburn game. Uh, we have a legitimate right. We're, if you're trying to put in the quote-unquote four best teams, which is what the committee purports to do, uh, you got to put in Alabama there. And the tough part is. Both of those te- both of those those fan bases are right. I mean, they're absolutely right, which is what made this so difficult. But ultimately, ultimately, the committee came down to it, and um, I think 
they made the decision that made for the best games in the college football playoff, the most competitive college football playoff, and that was to put Alabama at number four and Florida State at number five. They keep out 13-0 Florida State, the ACC champion. Uh, did not lose a single game. All they did wrong uh, was their quarterback snapped, snapped his leg in half. That's, that's pretty much it. Brutal, brutal way for Florida State uh, to go out on the season. But as it is, looking at the playoff itself, we'll get back to Florida State in, in just a minute because that's how I'm going to kind of close this thing out. Looking at the, the, the four itself, Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama, I think this is probably the most even field that we had in the, in the four-team playoff era. And it's... I... I, it's a good way to end off the four-team era. I think it's going to be the most entertaining uh, semifinals and finals games of the entire 10-year uh, run that we've had going on now. I I really like what they did. I mean, it's hard to say I really like it. I Honestly, my philosophy here was, okay, you can... You're going to piss someone off no matter what you do. It's just the nature of the game in this year uh, in a four-team playoff. There is well more than four teams that deserve to get in this year. Uh, certainly there were two that really, really actually had a legitimate gripe if they were to miss. You're going to piss someone off no matter what. In that situation where someone is going to be mad no matter what, that is a constant no matter what you decide, I think you prioritize what would be the best games, and I think they did that uh, to a T uh, with, the, with the college football playoff committee. So, full disclosure, I absolutely thought that Alabama should get in. Uh, even before the committee made the decision, I thought just, you know, if you're trying to put in the best four teams, and, and it's, and I was thinking about this earlier today, too. It's not just like, it's not so black and white where it's like, oh, are you just doing like a Vegas power rating? Like, who would be favored where? Uh, hey, if, if that's the case, uh, put in Georgia, uh, Alabama, uh, Michigan, Texas. Hey, throw in Ohio State, too. That's not exactly what we're doing here, though. And it's not really necessarily the, the four most deserving teams, either. Like, it's... Because if the four most quote-unquote deserving teams were in there, Florida State would would absolutely be in there. It's a healthy in-between, right? Like, like on one hand, you do want to, if you can, get most deserving teams in there. But if there's like incredible extenuating circumstances, like Florida State has not having Jordan Travis out there, um, and there's a there's a team like Alabama who has the absolutely has the resume. I mean, you can quibble all you want. The one loss is what it is. That one loss was also to a playoff team. They lost to Texas early on in the season. Not only did they lose to Texas early on in the season, that's a completely different team uh, than what uh, than, than what they were at the end of the year. After that game they, they lost against Texas, they'd done nothing but improve all throughout the end of the season. They went through the, the toughest conference in the entire nation. You can quibble about that all you want. It's certainly much, much more difficult to go through the SEC undefeated than it is to go through the ACC undefeated. You can, you can just go back through uh, the, 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 the record uh, of teams that Florida has played, or really Florida State has played, really just go through the ACC. Yes, they played LSU early on in the season, I'll get to I'll get to those early season marquee matchups here in just a second, but just to kind of you know put a bow on the on the playoff thing. When you have a team like Alabama who has a 
legitimately great resume in their own right. They have that one less win, that one more loss on their resume, but they're also a conference champion. They won a harder conference. They played harder teams uh, at the end of the day. I think it's easier for the committee, especially with the extenuating circumstances of Jordan Travis, uh, to go ahead and put Alabama in over Florida State. And I understand people aren't going to like it. People are, you know, uh, saying, does the regular season even matter? Uh, all that sort of stuff, which is kind of a straw man argument. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to besmirch the good, the besmirch the good name of people. But listen, if you just look at this thing objectively and you look at the SEC versus the ACC and understand what it took for Alabama to just go 12-1 and this season after losing that early game to Texas, and then look at the slate that Florida State faced after beating LSU uh, in Week 1, I think we can both clearly see which one had the harder uh, road to hoe, and I think we can clearly see if we put it... And here's the thing. If Jordan Travis was in there and, and Florida State goes 13-0, they would have blown Louisville out, quite frankly, if Jordan Travis was in there. We wouldn't be having this conversation right now because Florida State would be clearly the number four team in the country. They would be a playoff team. Um, and who's to say what happens from there? If Jordan Travis is in there, they're absolutely a playoff team. No, no question about it in my mind. But without Jordan Travis in there, I think it's pretty clear to me that Alabama was a better football team. And... I don't think it was particularly close because if, if Florida State, again, if Jordan Travis was in there, that would have made the resumes close enough. And even with the weaker conference in the ACC, um, they're a Power 5 conference champion for whatever that means nowadays. I think that that definition is going to shift uh, pretty precipitously uh, over the course of the next year or so. Um, you know, developing story, more, more details to follow in the next, again, year or so. But if the resumes were even like close, quite frankly and the teams were playing at a fairly comparable level. I think they put in Florida State. I think they would have rather put in Florida State if they had Jordan Travis in there, but the fact of the matter is, they didn't. And since they didn't have Jordan Travis, you get what you had now. And like I said, ultimately, I think the committee made the right decision because it's going to result in the best football games, and I think this is going to be the best playoff uh, just from quality of game standpoint on record. I, I really love what they ended up with at the end of the day. I hate that it had to come at the expense of, of Florida State. And I again, the, the tough part about this is you're right. You're right, Florida State fans. You probably should have gotten in. And been, been basically every other year up until this point, Florida State with that resume would have gotten into the playoff. The, the fact of the matter is it was just so cutthroat at the top of the standings this year. Someone was going to be disappointed no matter what. Absolutely, someone was going to be disappointed no matter what. Uh, so it sucks for Florida State. I can't, I can't stress that enough. This absolutely blows for Florida State. But on the other hand, I do think the committee made the right decision. I think they made the decision that led to the best games overall. So I'm perfectly fine with it. I thought it was the, it was the, the way to go. Um, but this does also kind of, I mean, it would have been less of a conversation. Um, if Alabama didn't end up getting into the college football playoff, but I'll, I'll bring it to the four now. People are kind of questioning like what the merit of scheduling these marquee out of conference games is, uh, especially early in the season. And I think I agree with people halfway there. I think early on in the season, these marquee games are basically useless because the fact of the matter is, if Texas 
won the Big 12, but they did so in like unconvincing fact. Like say they won 28 to 21 or something, or 28 to 24, God forbid, in the pack uh, in the in the Big 12 uh, title game, and Bama did exactly what they did against Georgia. I think Bama probably, and they had to like choose between Texas and Florida State or something like that. I think I think they still. Uh, there's a lot of what ifs here, so we'll just we'll, we'll plug this into the hypothetical machine here. But like, if if Jordan Travis was still in there, and it was between Texas and Florida State, if Texas only won by like say four points, excuse me, in the Big Twelve championship game. I think Alabama ends up jumping Texas and gets into the playoff uh, just because that head-to-head early on in the season doesn't necessarily matter. And I'll tell you why it doesn't necessarily matter. And yes, the results on the field do matter. I'm not I'm not discounting that. The problem is, especially with a college team, who teams are and their identities are so fluid, much more at the college level than they are at the pro level. At the pro level, again, it's it's in the name. They're pros. They're 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 you know it's their job to come out there and be at the top of their game every single time out there. In college, you're you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds, 18 to 25 year olds in, in some circumstances, um, that you know, in that age range age range, we've all been that age before. And if you aren't that at age, you're gonna be that age at some point. Um, we've all been that age, and I think we can all admit to ourselves, 18 to 24-year-olds are just inherently unreliable people. I mean, <laughs> just people that you can't necessarily trust to come out there and give their best every single time out there, and especially early on in the season, teams are kind of gelling. They're a work in progress. We're not sure exactly what they're going to be. Alabama is the case in point for that for sure, because the team that Texas played in September in, in Tuscaloosa is not the team that Georgia played in Atlanta in the SEC Championship in this last week. They are completely different. By the end of the season, Alabama was definitely one of the four best teams in the entire nation. And granted, Texas uh, was still kind of on that on that that level too. They you know went through some trials and tribulations with you know Quinn Ewers getting hurt throughout the season and stuff like that. But early on in the season. Those games matter less because, again, those teams are not finished products. So, my solution to this is do not get rid of the marquee games. I mean, the marquee games are good for college football. They're great for TV. We love it. Everyone loves to see uh, great teams from across the country in different geographical footprints, in different conferences going against each other because you don't often get to see those sorts of things. Like the like the Oregon versus Georgia matchup, uh, whenever they were doing that, I, I mean, obviously Florida State versus LSU, that's just good TV, right? Texas versus Alabama for that matter, just great TV, quite frankly. The problem is early on in the season, if you want these games to matter, don't put them early in the season especially if they're SEC teams, every single SEC team out there has a week right before rivalry week that we call the tune-up week, uh, where you're playing like a a Southern Miss or someone like that, uh, a Mercer, uh, someone that really is just an, an FCS team coming in for a paycheck. I propose in that off week before rivalry week, you bump out those those uh, those smaller schools, bump that to the beginning of the season. We can all live with one more week of bad football. We get it, you know, pretty much constantly at the beginning of the college football season, anyways. So why not stack one more game over there? And instead of having that tune-up week, why don't we have an out-of-conference sort of not rivalry, but out-of-conference marquee matchup week? 
I think, hey, think about if, if Arizona played Mississippi State, which I would not like, uh, at the end of the season. Arizona would run Mississippi State off the field, and they would have been 10-2 and instead of 9-3 and this year. And not only that, it benefits some teams like that as well, but when you're looking at playoff resumes, it is a damn fact that games in November matter exponentially more than games that were played in September when it's all said and done. So, again, my solution you put the you put the pity bowls up front. You put you know the the cupcake opponents up front, and then you backload your schedule with games that matter. Don't get rid of these marquee out of out of market uh, or out of conference games. Move them to late in the season where you're actually getting a full, uh, clear picture of what each of these teams are and uh, what they are against each other. That will. I, Trust me, uh, with in the eyes of the committee, that will go a long way in not being able to discount quote-unquote regular season results uh, like you're seeing in, in some of these cases with early season matchups because, like I said, and this will be the last time I say it, the early season matchups, you're not playing the same team that you would be playing late in the season. So just my two cents there. Uh, I think it would help everyone involved if they just move those games later on in the year. Let's get a time check. Let's get a time check like 36 minutes my goodness this might this is going to be like a record short uh sort of episode this time around let me get a quick drink though here <sighs> yep good times get a quick check of the phone make sure i'm not missing anything nope missing not a damn thing so yeah there you go uh there is the results from championship week and with that all in the books We'll go over the, the go over the playoff bracket one more time in case somehow you forgot. Michigan at one, Washington at two, Texas at three, Alabama at four, which means Michigan is playing Alabama in the first round. Washington is playing Texas in the first round, and uh, early early projections. I think it's going to be a Bama Texas title game uh, with. I mean, I don't know who's going to win if we get a, a Bama-Texas rematch in the title game. That will be just high-class television that I hope we all get to see uh, when it's all said and done. I think those are the, the two teams that are playing the absolute best right now. Uh, I could see Washington coming out there, especially with Michael Penix and those, those, those dynamic receivers that they got over there at Washington. I could see them coming out, making some noise, and beating Texas in the semifinal. Uh, the problem is they're playing down in New Orleans, I'm pretty sure, so... Absolutely going to be a pseudo home game uh, for the Texas Longhorns in that one, especially with Washington traveling across the country to get there. It's going to be a very orange crowd, very burnt orange crowd uh, down there in New Orleans. So I think that definitely favors Texas. Um, I believe Michigan and um, Alabama are playing at the Rose Bowl. So true neutral site game on that one. It's going to be a dandy though, man. It's Like I said, this is probably the best four-team playoff uh, as far as competitive balance-wise that I think we may have ever had in the four-team era. A hell of a way to send it off. I just hope the games live up to the hype because right now, boy, I'm, I'm feeling very excited to see uh, where this goes. Um, RIP to Florida State. Um, that being said, though, we got the bowl season all, uh, all, all set and ready to go. And yes, bowl season has kind of lost its luster uh, from, what we, uh, from what we saw before. You know, a lot of players opting out nowadays, which hey, I get it. Go, go. You know, I don't want to, don't want to jeopardize your money or anything like that. I, I understand. Um, you know, maybe if you're a fifth round pick though, or, or something like that, maybe 
Maybe you just want to play in the damn game. Maybe you want to put out some good tape for the next level. I don't know. Just a me thing, but... Even with that being said, we got some good uh, bowl game matchups here. So let's just kind of go down the list and uh, see what we can find. Obviously, already went over the uh, the playoff matchups. So you don't have to, to beat that dead horse. Uh, but uh, let's look at the New Year's Six. Uh, first off, in the what, what's the uh, the Cotton Bowl, we have got Missouri versus Ohio State. Um, obviously, like I said before, Ohio State going to be without Kyle McCord, so that's going to be an interesting matchup there. Um, but I think, hey, outside of that, I mean, you got uh, we'll, we'll have to see who opts in and opts out. That's the that's the tough part of this whole thing. But I think that should be a good matchup between Missouri and Ohio State, and a real opportunity for Missouri to come out there and end off on a good note. Uh, Ohio State, on the other hand. Feels like they're gonna have a lot of opt outs for the NFL draft. I don't blame them there, but I uh, feel feels like a like a big opportunity for Missouri to come out there and grab that game by the balls. Um, Peach Bowl, uh, Ole Miss versus Penn State. Um, Penn State, I think, will have a lot of, of players playing. Uh, I think some key defenders will probably not be there. We'll have to see about Olu Fashanu, uh, probably a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, maybe even a top 5 pick in the NFL draft. A dynamic tackle over there for Penn State. Uh, but again, a contrast of styles between Ole Miss and Penn State in this one. We'll have to see who ends up controlling the game. It kind of probably all comes down to uh, what Penn State defenders are in on this one and which ones are out. Uh, but we'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see on that one. I think Ole Miss is going to have a full complement of offensive weapons, so they're going to have their hands full uh, over there with the Peach Bowl. Um, Orange Bowl, we got Georgia versus Florida State. And I have a sneaking suspicion that Georgia is going to come out here and use this game as a tune-up for next year. And I'll, quick preview, I'm, and I'm calling this a full year in advance, I think Georgia's going to win the 2025 National Championship. I They got Carson Beck most likely coming back. He can come out for the draft this year, but I don't think it would be a good, good idea after one year uh, of tape out there he would do very well with staying one more year at Georgia and I think they're going to pay him handsomely to do so so uh, why not stay one more year obviously Brock Bowers probably not going to be playing in this game uh, but I think you're going to be having a lot of weapons out there still the offensive line the defense is what it is and I think Kirby Smart is pissed off that he did not get into the college football playoff after being number one uh, going into the final week of the season and carrying like a 28-29 game winning streak going into the final week of the season. Uh, I got a sneaking suspicion that George is going to run Florida State off of the damn field. I there There's a chance they may win by 40 in this one just out of pure frustration. On the other hand, though, Florida State, man, they're going to be extra motivated as well because if they win this one and they go to 14-0, they're going to be able to shove that straight into the committee's faces. So I'm I'm leaning towards Georgia blowing out Florida State. I'm not entirely sure on that though. But I think that's that may be the best game um of the of the slate that I've I've mentioned so far. I think that's going to be a really good one on uh not New Year's Eve, but the day before New Year's Eve, December 30th. Um Fiesta Bowl, we got Liberty versus Oregon. Oregon probably without Bo Nix in this one, which makes it interesting. Um, ultimately, I think Dan Lanning is going to take out some aggression in this one, um, even without probably Bucky Irving as well. Um, I, I have a feeling that Oregon is going to run Liberty off the field as well. That being said, unlike the Georgia versus Florida State game, 
I think the Vegas line is going to reflect my feeling on that one. I, I think uh, Oregon's going to be a heavy, heavy favorite in the Fiesta Bowl versus Liberty. Um, outside of that, i got to kind of scroll through these bowls, see if we find anything that we, we like here. Uh, in the L.A. Bowl, we got UCLA versus Boise State. That's you know that's a nice little little matchup there. Boise State getting a new head coach in there. I think it, the interim might have been hired in that situation, which always works out well. Who, who's when has that ever uh, not worked out well? Also, uh, you know UCLA. What do they look like without having Dante Moore in there? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But that could be could be an interesting game. Um, Cal versus Texas Tech. I don't even know why I read that one. Who cares? Um, what else we got? Uh, UTSA versus Marshall. Two sneaky good teams there as well. But I don't really know any players from either of those teams. I just know they're, they're both sneaky good. My goodness, they're both sneaky good. So I, worth paying attention to, I suppose. Troy versus Duke. I, hmm. Check the line on this one. It's it's on de December 23rd. Uh, that may be one I'm betting. I think Troy ends up winning that one and winning that one comfortably. I, I like the Troy Trojans uh, in that game, especially with somehow John Sumrall not being uh, picked up in this, this last coaching hiring cycle. No idea how. Uh, I think Troy is going to come in there uh, focused and ready to go, though. I think they, they're going to run Duke off the field in that game. That may be, that may be one we look ahead to and, uh, and place a, a healthy wager on. Um, oh, the Armed Forces Bowl, JMU, the Dukes, they're being allowed to go bowling because there weren't enough eligible teams, so we got JMU versus the Armed Forces, Air Force to be exact, um, a really solid matchup actually, definitely a contrast of styles, but um, I'm happy for JMU getting here, obviously they lost their head coach Kurt Signetti, which by the way, that is, um, that, that's something that I did not talk about. And uh, I'm glad I, I'm glad I thought about it now because I would have totally just went through this whole thing and uh, and not mentioned it uh, one single time. But we had some coaching stuff going on. There's a lot of uh, a lot, lot of opportunities uh, being taken advantage of by some of these coaches. A lot of hires going on. So let me just go through a couple here. Um, you know, just taking a break from the bowl schedule. Obviously for JMU. Uh, Kurt Signetti, their head coach, the guy that's really brought them to these heights here recently, uh, he was hired away by Indiana, who fired Tom Allen. He'll be the new head coach at Indiana. He's talking all sorts of wild shit like Ohio State and Michigan suck, Purdue sucks too, all that sort of stuff, yada, yada, yada. He'll be humbled very quickly. I mean, that's that's to say the least. I think he'll do a good job there at Indiana in the long run, but uh, got a good feeling he'll be hum humbled very quickly over there. But good hire there for, for uh, Indiana over there. Uh, Arkansas, uh, they hired uh, Bobby Petrino as their next offensive coordinator. Hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Um, I I vote that he should wear the neck brace and have the uh, the, the red uh, road rash face on the sidelines uh, every single Saturday because that's you know go look that story up, kids. If you don't remember that one, that's a classic. That's an absolute classic SEC scumbag story right there. Um, and ultimately uh, got Bobby Petrino, Bobby Petrino fired. And a, a rule passed at Arkansas that they couldn't hire former employees. Funny how that thing just kind of went away in order to uh, to get a quality offensive coordinator in there. That shows you what lengths that SEC teams will go to to win. Also, by the way, Sam Pittman thought he might be fired after this year. 
I think there's a good chance that Bobby Petrino is the head coach in waiting there if if Sam Pittman gets fired uh, this offseason, this next season as well. So keep an eye on that. Hilarious that Bobby Petrino is back at Arkansas, though. Poetically fitting, but uh, hilarious nonetheless. Uh, Colorado's offensive coordinator, Sean Lewis, he was the head coach at Kent State uh, last season. Uh, took the offensive coordinator job at Colorado to parlay it into a better head coaching job, and ultimately, it's exactly what he did. Goes over to San Diego State um, and will be the head coach there as well. Brings a high-flying offense. I thought Coach Prime kind of did him a little bit dirty down the stretch of this season. Uh, kind of, you know, scapegoated him for a lot of the, the shortcomings of the offensive personnel at Colorado. Weird stuff going on at Colorado, by the way. It's... Uh, uh, four and eight is good. Uh, the way they did it and how it's kind of shaping out in the offseason, I don't necessarily love uh, so much. So that's going to be interesting situation to watch over there in Colorado. Will they get better next season? Uh, who's to say? They're, they're recruiting class, not exactly rounding into shape right now. Uh, so they're going to have to do a lot of work in the portal, and that's we saw how that worked out last season. Uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. Good hire for San Diego State, though, to get Sean Lewis out of Colorado. Uh, Syracuse hired uh, University of Georgia's defensive backs coach Fran Brown to be their next head coach. Uh, kind of a young up-and-comer. Don't know much about him, but he's he's thought highly of, so I think it could end up being a good hire for him. Obviously, a defensive-minded head coach, uh, and I think this might be his first head coaching opportunity, so we'll have to wait and see uh, what he looks like there. But ultimately, I think, you know, good, uh, good hire there for Syracuse. And uh, last headline here I have got for the coaching uh, Houston, there was some rumblings about Cliff Kingsbury maybe going there, uh, but ultimately I think they made the right choice. They went over to Tulane, they get Willie Fritz uh, as their next head coach, and Willie Fritz has won basically everywhere he has gone, so I I love that hire. I think after all of the, the, the will-they-won't-they they with, uh, with Cliff Kingsbury, they ended up with the right dude in Willie Fritz. I think Willie Fritz is going to do good things there at Houston, so... There you go. That that's the the head coaching news as I remember seeing it. You know, I'm just going off of what Pete Thamel says. So that's I'm I'm nothing if not loyal to, to the Pete Thamels of the world. Well, that being said, let's let's keep going down the list of bowls here. Kind of just did a, a quick interruption there on that one. Um, got Utah versus Northwestern. That's going to be a rock fight, but hey, could could be interesting. Uh. Coastal Carolina and San Jose State get a free trip to Hawaii. That's pretty cool. Actually, no. <laughs> it's the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl uh, played in Las Vegas. So, still got a free trip to Las Vegas. Well, I think Las Vegas might be more fun in some ways than Hawaii, but a free trip to Hawaii would be pretty cool as well. I don't know. Might be a little bit biased in that front, but it is what it is. What else we got? Uh, Kansas versus UN, UNLV. That's, you know, that that's a game. That's a game. I think, you know, could be a high-scoring one there as well. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, that one's on the 26th. Last game on the 26th of December. The Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Who... Who doesn't want to go to the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, folks? That's the, that's the pinnacle of college football. Um, outside of that, um... North Carolina versus West Virginia. North Carolina is going to be without Drake May. Uh, I think that could be a sneaky good spot for West Virginia. I think they got a really good chance of, of winning that one. We'll have to see what the line is, but I, I like that game. I like that game a lot. 
another game that I might be on, This both these games are on Wednesday the 27th. Louisville is playing uh, USC. I think Louisville's just going to have more players playing. And obviously, uh, Caleb Williams, we already know he's sitting out the bowl. Uh, he's going to be the number one overall pick. Kind of expected this coming, so he won't He won't be there. We all knew that. Um, and without Caleb Williams, that is a sad, sad football team. So Louisville could be in line to get a big bowl win there. That's going to be I'm, – I'm perusing the betting market as we go, if you haven't noticed. So I'm uh, taking mental note of that one. Got Texas A&M versus Oklahoma State. I'm, I don't have a great feel on that one. I think it's going to be a good game, though, the, the Tax Act Texas Bowl there. Uh, last game on the 27th. A lot of good good slate on the 27th, man. There's some good games out there, I think, that are going to end up being entertaining, even with the opt-outs that inevitably come along the way. Um, outside of that, we got the Bad Boys, Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl down there in Fenway Park in Boston. Uh, we got Rutgers versus, no, 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 sorry, my bad, New York, my bad, don't, don't crucify me, uh, you stupid baseball fans, uh, but Rutgers versus Miami, that's the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl, that is Yankee Stadium, I thought that was a little bit weird that the Pinstripe Bowl would be in ben, in Fenway, uh, but here we are, we, we rectified it eventually, I'll be at 2.15 on Thursday the 28th, um, with, uh, you know, the Rutgers playing against, uh, Miami, uh, Tyler Van Dyke already in the portal. Uh, Rutgers having a, a good season, you know, good bounce back season for Greg Schiano over there with the uh, with Rutgers. Uh, could be interesting. Good good names in that game in that game if nothing else. Um, we got NC State, sneaky good NC State team versus oh well, actually a big time game in the Pop Tarts Bowl. This is going to be the first edible mascot. Uh, of of any bowl uh, game of all time, basically. So the winner is just going to get a mouthful of Pop-Tart in this one, and we got a, a, a dandy, folks. NC State versus Kansas State. Uh, I believe this will be the, the first time that... Um, who's that Kansas State QB? Not Will Howard. Will Howard already enters his name into the transfer portal. Hot name in the transfer portal, by the way, too. I mean, a really, really good quarterback out there uh, for the taking for somebody. Um, I forget the guy's name. Uh, the backup quarterback there who was kind of flirting with the starting job all throughout the year uh, for Kansas State. Name escapes me. I don't know. It's his It's his show going forward, though. I apologize for not remembering that man's name. But NC State, Kansas State, I think it's going to be end up being a good game. Uh, and if, if it's not, I would assume Kansas State blew out NC State at the end of the day. So I Pop-Tarts Bowl on my list of games to watch. Um, I want to talk about another game that's going to be fun. And it kind of depends a lot on the quarterback situation here. But the Alamo Bowl this year, we got Arizona versus Oklahoma. Are you kidding me? And Arizona is starting a true freshman quarterback, baby. Noah Fafita will be playing in this game no matter what. Don't you worry. I got to sneeze real quick. And, of course, as I said, it's it's basically all repressed. So never mind on that. But um, don't think Dylan Gabriel will be playing for Oklahoma. Could be wrong on that, but I don't think that will be the case. Probably going to be seeing Jackson Arnold in the game first, you know, first live looks at Jackson Arnold, I would imagine. A really hot Arizona team with a lot of core players that are going to be playing versus a solid Oklahoma team as well. I think that Alamo Bowl is going to be an absolute banger. And I think, honestly, heavily leaning towards Arizona. I think that having Noah Fafita in there is going to make a big-time difference for Arizona. And I think they get their 10th win of the season in that one. But that Alamo Bowl... Watch out for that one. That, that's going to be a fun game. 9 p.m. Uh, on ESPN uh, on Thursday, the 28th of December. 
What else we got? Uh, Clemson versus Kentucky? Sure. Whatever. Um, Oregon State versus Notre Dame? Lost a lot of luster after the the, uh, the quarterback entered the transfer portal for Oregon State, and their head coach got poached uh, by Michigan State. Uh, so I, I expect Notre Dame to win that one. Though that being said, they're probably not going to have Sam Hartman in that one either. So we'll have to wait and see. Memphis versus Iowa State in the Liberty Bowl. I suppose I'll lean Iowa State. Who's to say? Um, outside of that... Uh, Wisconsin versus LSU, probably going to be a shell of their their former self there. Um, Iowa versus Tennessee in the in the the Citrus Bowl. Hmm, I I bet the under on that one. I'll say that much. I don't know who's going to be starting at quarterback. I don't know if Joe Milton's going to go one last ride on that one, or if you're going to be seeing Nico Iamaliava, or if they don't want to burn Nico's red shirt and then they'll just you know go with. Go with someone else in that stead. I don't think that one's going to be high scoring at all. I think that's going to be a game that plays right into what uh, what Iowa wants to do. And Iowa's got a chance to win in their 11th game of the season. So that's going to be an interesting one. And that'll be uh, one of the last bowls of the season on Monday, January 1. But that's pretty much it. That's that's the full bowl preview. And uh, yeah, we're at like just under an hour. So yeah, let's just cut it there. Um, yeah, like I said... Probably the last college football episode for a little bit of time, but the, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we we had a hell of a season, hell of a season betting wise too. I mean, right now it's not over. By the way, we still got NFL games to bet on. No picks for today, by the way. I I worked ten hours. I had no time whatsoever to go figure out uh, what my gambling picks were going to be. So I'll, I'll have a full slate for you on Thursday. What that full slate looks like, I I I dare not venture a guess, uh, but we'll find out whenever we get there. But yeah, this is probably the last college football episode for a good couple weeks until we get closer uh, to bowl season and playoff time. So yeah, thanks so much for tuning in, folks. Uh, if you enjoyed, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to it, be it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, any place you're listening to it, just hit subscribe, maybe share it as well, help me grow this bad boy a little bit, uh, would be much appreciated. Uh, if you want to contact the show and or just want to hear uh, or see my my dumb tweets every now and again, uh, follow me on Twitter, X, whatever the hell that stupid app is called, uh, It's you know, link will be down in the description, it's at Caleb Verzak if you want to try and freehand spell that, good luck. Um, also, if you want to contact the show, just shoot me a DM there. Probably be the easiest way to do it. Or you can go over to the email, unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. Link will be in the description for that as well. So, yeah, with that said, thanks so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. As always, I have got zero zip zilch, not a clue what I am talking about. However, uh, one thing I learned this week is that in 2001, the Czech, the Czech Republic division of Philip Morris conducted a cost-benefit analysis which concluded that tax revenues from the sale of cigarettes outweigh the health care costs and early deaths of citizens who died uh, from smoking-related illnesses, i.e., the Czech government benefited from tax revenues and saved money on health care from people dying early. And they admitted this in a report. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. That's that's fun. That that is a fun fact. If my brain was firing on all cylinders, I'd probably have something witty to say after that. But uh, 
Since it's not, you can chew on that information yourself. Just uh, an official report, just cold, uh, calculated reporting from the Czech government on why cigarettes are, are good for the economy. Uh, the people be damned. There you go. Y'all have a good one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go watch some football and uh, edit this thing. I think. See ya.